The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Uh, I want to get into the Word this morning uh, because I, I really feel like there's something that we need. There's a lot of things going on in our culture, and some of these things are concerning. I use the word concerning on purpose because uh, words like frightening and things like that, I think, could actually be counterproductive and, and a bit of fear-mongering. But I see something, and in, in you know, it's been branded and labeled, and actually it, it receives this brand and label with, with it takes it as a compliment, you know, a cancel culture. A cancel culture exists where you don't see things our way, you don't agree with us, you don't do it the way we want you to, uh, we're going to see to it that you don't exist anymore. Now what's really interesting about this is that it's very easy for us to see this in its existence right now. You read about it in the news, you see you know, big corporations making policies that may just be ridiculous or unbelievably uh, uh, one-sided or biased and then this requirement to get on board or else. I mean, it's really, by definition, an ultimatum. That's what the cancel culture is. It's you either be one of us or else life will be miserable for you. Now, a comment was made yesterday at the men's group that kind of came up, and, and the reality is people were giving stories and testimonies of their, their church life. And, and something kind of started to click. I mean, I, I started listening to people tell of, of past church experiences and things like that. And this thought rose in, in me, and I thought, that's really interesting. We ought to think about that. The cancel culture that exists today, could it be the measure that we've measured with being measured back to us? There's an element of cancel culture that exists in Christianity. I mean, in churches, you'll see, you know, hey, we believe this, and if you don't believe that, well, get out. We think this way, and if you can't get on board with that, then we can't be compatible. Now, now the spirit behind it and the, the malicious attitude, obviously, that we're seeing today, I think might be missing from the examples I'm giving. But I, I want to ask for understanding on this matter. I think it's important with what we're facing and what we're dealing with to ask God, God, will you give us understanding concerning this? Because if I find myself just simply positioning myself you know, in, in a position of us versus them, that cancel culture is out there, it's evil, and all I do is sit around and pray against it and, and all of these things, but I never search myself and say, Father, is there any of that in me? Is there any of this cancel culture in me? It's always easier to see the splinter in my brother's eye than the log in my own. Will you give me understanding? Is there any part of this that exists in me? Is this how I handle conflict? Is this how... I deal with people. Is this how I, I function in, in the workplace or in the house, in the family, or in ministry? And, and I think that though we need to see this out of our nation, I think it's a good thing to go to God and say, I want this out of our nation, but I'd like to start with me. Me first. Let's make sure this is purged from me. So I want to talk about something that I think is important and necessary to do that. I want to talk about understanding. Understanding is something is in Scripture. We've talked about it before. In fact, some of the, the elements that make up today's message may sound familiar from some previous messages, but I want to talk about understanding its place in the Scripture and its importance in our life. I want to give you a few things that we're going to find in the Scripture. Uh, there's a couple of things. There's something that God has that's infinite. 
Now, infinity is something that is, is kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but God has something that's absolutely infinite. Infinite meaning there's no beginning to it, no end to it. It, it, it you could never run it dry. It's always available and present. It is, it's not in short supply. Rather, it is in abundance without end. So another thing we're going to find is what we need to be asking for. What we need to be asking for. Now, I kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier as we were getting into things that, you know, I could be asking God, God, get this cancel culture out of our country, you know. There's something that I want to be asking for in addition to that. And I, I haven't tipped my hand completely yet. When we get there, you'll, you'll see what it is because it's very important for us to, to walk in a certain manner and have access to the things of the kingdom in order to function as we're called to. And then there's a third thing we're going to find. We're going to find out what it looks like to trust God. What does it look like to trust God? I mean, it, it's something that we talk about, we say, we, we share it as advice. I mean, I've oftentimes, you know, sought counsel or advice and, and contacted the, the men or the women that speak into my life and, and shared the, the need that I have with them and then gotten the response, well, you're, you're going to need to trust God. And I got to tell you, you know, my first thought when I heard that, though my head, you know, shook yes and I smiled and, and acted like this was profound and great advice, on the inside I'm thinking, that doesn't help me one bit. <laughs> what do I need to do? Well, you're going to have to trust God. Uh, okay, yeah, I get that. That's a given. That's understood. But what do I need to do? And there's something that, that the Bible reveals about what trusting God actually looks like. Now, we may have to read between the, the lines a touch, but if we know what it looks like to trust God, then I think we can intentionally trust him. We can make the choices and the decisions that position us to be in the place of trusting him. And I want to get to that in the scripture. So I've got a, a little bit of news for you. We're going to read a lot of passages of scripture this morning. There's a lot of content. I'll, I'll give them to you. You can record them for your notes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll visit them to the degree we need to, but I want to encourage you to take a moment at some point, maybe through the week, and, and visit some of these passages and allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead you and guide you individually. So I mentioned before we're going to find out what God has that's infinite. It, it's without end, and it's absolute. If you, you have your, your notes there, you can write down a verse. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Psalm 147. I want to look specifically at the fifth verse. Psalm 147, the fifth verse. What God has that will never run dry, okay? Psalm 147, verse 5. It, it reads like this. Great is our Lord. He is abundant in strength, and his understanding is infinite. His understanding is infinite. Now, this is a really powerful and profound passage of Scripture, even though it seems kind of short and maybe like a, a bit of a, a filler verse, so to speak. But if we take the time to consider what it would mean for God's understanding to be infinite, we, we can come to a real place of stability, a place of security, and knowing that God has constantly got a plan. There's not a circumstance or a situation that he doesn't understand. There's never been a time in my life where, where his counselor, his advice was, was being offered to me and I needed to negotiate him because he really didn't understand what was going on. Like when he would tell me something like, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. 
I don't need to explain to him what a dirtbag my neighbor is. His understanding of the situation is infinite. So what this does is this closes the door to every one of our man-made excuses, our, our reasons, the exclusiveness of our situation. You know, no one's ever had it like me. You don't understand. I, I get that in general, in, in theory, that this is the way Christians should behave, but my situation is like ultra-mega, off the charts, you know, whacked out. And, and, and so mine's just a little bit different. God's understanding is infinite. He understands every aspect of everything. I mean, that's just really a powerful thing to wrap your mind around. I want to give you a couple of other passages here. Isaiah uh, chapter 40, verse 28. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. That's not a word that I use. But it basically means it's always right. It's always right. Nobody can, can bring any argument against God. Here, here's a passage that will confirm that from the Proverbs, a, a, a book of, of wisdom to apply to your life. Proverbs 21, verses 30 and 31. There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel that can come against the Lord. Even when the, the horse is prepared for battle, the day of battle, the victory belongs to God. I mean, that last point is, is simply a poetic way to say no matter how many preparations are made, no matter how many efforts are put together, God wins. His understanding, no other understanding, no outside source of understanding will rise up and, and transcend the understanding of God. So again, once again, as we move forward, it's really important for us to come to the place where we see God as the absolute authority as it concerns understanding for our situation. If I need to figure out what I need to do to, to stabilize and secure my marriage and serve my wife, if I need to figure out what I need to do to raise up my kids and pr protect them from the perversion and the, the, the corruption that exists in the world, if I need to figure out what to do in a situation in, in business or, or, or in ministry or in any aspect of life, it's understood that there's absolutely no understanding that will help my situation more than God's understanding. So I want to give you some uh, uh, benefits to understanding. Why understanding is important to pursue and, and apply to our lives. Again from the Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 22. Understanding is a fountain of life to the one who has it. That's pretty cool. I got to just say, I'd like to have access to a fountain of life. In, in whatever situation or circumstance or, or whatever I'm dealing with, to be able to access that which gives life. And the idea that, that you're dealing with fountain, you know, I mean, when we think fountain today, I can tell you for me, because I'm of a fast food generation, I picture a soda fountain that plugs into the wall. When, when the word speaks of a fountain, think of like a spring. It's the source of, of, of what is, is bubbling up. A spring of water is, is a place where the water comes from the earth and then, you know, travels from there, the path of least resistance in streams or rivers or what have you. But we have access to a fountain of life as we have access to understanding. I mean, if I want to bring life into a situation, I need to bring understanding. 
If I want to access understanding, I need to access God because he has infinite understanding. There's tons of advice in the world. But even if we looked at the the power of big tech and social media, I think it's obvious to us that Google does not have infinite understanding. I mean, Wikipedia does not have infinite understanding. But God knows every every crevice, every crack, every shadow, every uh, circumstance of a situation and can bring to us the direction that we need to go. I'll give you another passage of Scripture here from the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6. It says, forsake your folly. That's just a, a word for foolishness. So forsake your foolishness and live by proceeding in the way of understanding. I've got a number of things that are habitual in my life that aren't really productive. I mean, they're, they're like, you could call them bad habits or, or quirks or whatever. They're things that I would rather not carry with me as I move into the future. And this passage of Scripture is telling me that to shed those things, I need to walk in understanding. To shed those things that aren't fruitful, you do this by proceeding in the way of understanding. Like a passage of Scripture like that really has the ability to invade our prayer life. God, lead me in the way of understanding. Lead me in the way of understanding as it concerns communications with others so I can stop the folly and the foolishness of being a jerk and being a bully and and being kind of gruff and aggressive. And, And let me take on the way that's fruitful and productive. Lead me away from that foolishness by leading me into an understanding way. I mean, you can take these passages of Scripture, apply them to your prayer life, and they can bring the direction that we need to grow and to mature. Proverbs 21, 16, A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. That's a pretty powerful way to say that, don't you think? I mean, honestly, if I were writing this, I probably would have just said, well, a man that wanders away from understanding will hang out with fools. And no one would argue with that because, you know, it makes sense. But the truth is, this passage of Scripture shows the ultimate uh, place where foolishness leads. It leads to to destruction. When we live foolishly and we treat each other with foolishness and, and we function outside of understanding, it ultimately leads to separation whether that's the death of a relationship, whether that's the death of a business transaction. I mean, you can connect the dots. Foolishness and folly lead to destruction, but we have access through God because the veil was ripped in two by the grace of God at the sacrifice of our King Jesus. We have access to infinite understanding. Uh, Psalm 119 verse 144 reads like this, that, All of your testimonies are righteous and forever. Give me understanding that I may live. What a great passage to follow up that if we don't walk in understanding, we'll end up in the assembly of the dead. But based on this from the Psalms, when we walk in understanding, then we will live. There's a number of aspects of my life where I want to see the the Zoe life, the abundant life that Jesus came to bring thrive. I need to seek God for understanding. I want to give a series of scriptures here now that are going to reveal to us that, once again, we've talked about God having uh, infinite understanding. Uh, These verses will confirm 
you know, God is the source of understanding, but then also what that leads to. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to live out our lives carrying out God's will and obedience, you know, uh, responding to, to his direction and his counsel without understanding. And you'll see that as we get through these scriptures here. I want to begin with Proverbs 2.6. Proverbs 2.6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and a good understanding have all of those who do his commandments. So a passage like that tends to speak volumes forward and backward. I mean, it's going to sound goofy, and I got news for you. I, I'm, I'm not a, a sci-fi guy or, or, you know, a Star Wars guy. I got news for you. You've got a couple here in the, in the congregation. You ever want to talk Star Wars trivia, you just corner Pastor Jared, and that guy can, can you know, keep you informed. But there's something that, that I always think of, you know, this character from these films, Yoda, right? You know Yoda, right? Now everybody talks baby Yoda. You know, that's kind of the thing now. You got baby Yoda. But, you know, so I grew up and, and there was, was Yoda. This to me is kind of a Yoda verse, okay? And I'll explain what that means because it just sounds goofy. And I don't, I don't mean, you know, it, it's, it sounds like some Eastern proverb or something. I mean, this was a character who, who kind of said things backwards, but yet you still understood what he was saying. I like to read verses forward and then, and then kind of process them backwards. So let me do that with this verse and just see if you kind of get on board with what I kind of refer to as a Yoda verse. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding uh, have all of those who do his commandments. So I read this passage of Scripture, and I realize that those who do His commandments, a good understanding they have, right? There's the Yoda. Those who do His commandments, a good understanding they have. Because the verse reads, you know, that, that a good understanding they have, those who do His commandments. But I see this, and I think when I run it backwards, it, it makes more sense to me to see that doing what God has called me to do is revealing that I'm walking in understanding. Doing the things that God says to do, doing the things that he instructs and the counsel that he gives is revealing and it testifies that I'm functioning and operating in an understanding way, the way that gives life. Don't you think it's interesting that understanding leads to life, you know, give me understanding that I may live, and then we see that when we do things God's way, that's living in understanding. Doing things God's way, which attaches the promise of life to a lifestyle that would be described as such. I want to give you a, a couple more passages of Scripture. I told you it's going to be a Scripture-heavy day, and, and there is absolutely nothing but good things that come from that. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 34. It's a call. It's a prayer. Give me understanding so that I may observe your commandment and keep it with all of my heart. Boy, that's a good one to just add to your prayer life, isn't it? Father, give me understanding so that I can know what you want me to do and so that I can do it with all that's in me. So that I can put all of my thought and all of my energy and all of my resources into bringing to pass what you say matters. Give me understanding so that I can do that. 
Well, there's not one of us in the room that wouldn't raise our hand and say, yeah, sign me up for that. If, if I were to say, hey, do you want to do what God wants? Do you want to fulfill God's will for your life? And, and, and do you want to, to do the will of God? I mean, we would all say yes. But this passage of Scripture actually reveals to us what's needed in order for us to carry that out. Give me understanding so that I can. Give me understanding so that I can actually do the things that you would call me to do. Give me understanding so that I might observe what you say and keep it with all of my heart. Psalm 119.73 Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding so that I might learn your word. Now, as the psalmist is writing this, he's recognizing something, and, and I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but it stands out to me. He, he's basically saying that this right here, you did this. I mean, you made me, you put me on the earth, and now I go to read between the lines, and I got to deal with all this stuff. So you made me, you ordained me, and you put me all here in this situation. Now, I need you to see this through and give me your understanding so that I can do this right. This is the life that you made. It's the life that you called. And this life is absolutely incomplete. And it's lived in a reckless manner without it being seen through with understanding. Give me your understanding. Your hands made me, you fashioned me. Give me understanding that I might learn your word. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.7, the Lord will give you understanding in everything. What a great passage of scripture. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. I tell you what, as you provide counsel to those around you, keep this one. You know, tattoo it on your forearm so that when people ask you anything, you can tell them, hey, God will give you wisdom in that. God will give you understanding as it concerns that. Because God's promised to give us understanding in everything. My household is changing. You know, I mean, I, I watch uh, in the, my marriage and in my family. I watch in, in things like, like you know, uh, business and, and our, our livelihood and all of those elements. And they all change. All of those things change. I, I, I don't engage with my sons today like I, I did when they were two or three. Uh, in fact, I, I realized that it was kind of an eye-opener. You know, uh, some personalities are big on snuggles, other personalities not so much. Now, I can tell you, Dad likes snuggles, you know. I'm not a touchy guy, but I love my children. And I'm watching as, as all of a sudden now snuggles are few and far between. And I realized something, you know. I mean, I went to, to hug one of my children, and, and there was kind of the, the prickly pushback, you know. And, it, you know, it didn't break my heart or upset me or anything, but I just realized something. Because I desired understanding in that. God, what do I do? Do I force him to hug me? What do I do? And I, I just I, I realized something. I had a conversation with with you know, my 11-year-old son. I said, son, I realize something now. That when you were young, I could just pick you up. I could, could spin you around. I could hug you. I could hold you. And now you're becoming a man. And so what I want to do is I want to ask your permission now to hug you. 
I want to ask your permission to in, engage with, with the, the physical love and affection that is between a father and his child. And what was really amazing was the, the response and the result. You know, and God gave, he gave understanding in that. Seems like a little matter, but he promises to give understanding in everything. Because everything's constantly changing and transitioning. Our need to constantly be in pursuit of God's understanding for that matter is what leads us to success. If we do things the way they were done yesterday, today, we might not get a successful result. But we can seek God. Father, this relationship is growing and maturing. Give me understanding in how to continue to see it thrive. It will protect us from becoming stuck in ruts and traditions that leave us lacking as it concerns fruitfulness and prosperity and anything that we put our hand to. Understanding. I'll give you another passage of scripture here from the psalm. Psalm 119, uh, verse 104. From you I get understanding, so I hate every false way. Interesting wording. I mean, I, I could get on board with it saying, from you I get understanding and I hate every false way. But I love the intentional wording here. From you I get understanding, so I hate every false way. I mean, the more understanding from God that enters into your life, the more you're going to be aware of all the garbage advice that's out there. The more you'll, you'll despise those things that, that are empty, that promise things that will never be delivered. The more you'll look on the things that exist in this culture and realize the, the worthless vanity and, and really trash that it is. Because God's understanding will stand out as productive and fruitful passage of scripture from the same psalm, Psalm 119, verse 125. I'm your servant. Give me understanding that I might know your word. It goes along with the other passages that we've read there. I want to give you one out of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It says, the Son of God, now that's Jesus, the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we might know him who is true. Jesus has come and he's given us understanding so that we might know God the Father. I think that's really interesting that that passage of Scripture doesn't get uh, hung up on, on some element of Jesus' coming. You know, it's specific and strategic concerning understanding. It, it could just as easily say, Jesus has come and given us forgiveness so that we might know God the Father. And, and there would be nothing wrong with that. But I see how strategic and intentional that word is, understanding, and it causes me then now to prioritize the pursuit of understanding in my life. God, I want my life to be defined by understanding. Will, will you pour out your understanding into my existence so that I can, can know your word, so that I can know your will, and according to this passage of Scripture, so that I can know you, and not just know about you, but engage in fellowship with you. Now, I mentioned something before that we need to ask for. Now, we've talked about this in the past. I want to bring it back up this morning because, like I said, there are things going on in our culture, and it's very easy for us to, to take a, a very lazy approach to how we view it and how we address it. But I think we need to pursue understanding so that we can be productive in how we function and operate in the days that we live in. Now, I want to give you a, a passage, a, a chapter, so to speak, where you can find a, a piece of history. You'll find it in 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but we're going to get to the point. 
So many of us in the room here are familiar with one of the kings that exists in Israel, uh, uh, the son of King David. His name is Solomon. Now, when the name Solomon comes out there, I mean, oftentimes people associate King Solomon with wisdom, with being a very wise individual. And, and rightfully so. I mean, the scripture records that, that there was a tremendous impartation uh, that, that took place there. But it's important to me to, to take a look at how this came to pass. Because if I want to get understanding into my life, I want to know where it comes from and how it functions. And for the longest time, I grew up under the impression that King Solomon had a, an encounter with God, and God asked him, what would you like for me to give to you? And King Solomon said, I want wisdom. And then it was this wonderful thing to have asked for. And while that's a pretty close paraphrase, I mean, we're in the ballpark with that, we'll miss out on the potency of what he truly desired. And then we won't ever catch what he actually acquired. And we can see the results. We can see all of the prosperity of his leadership. We can see the way he ruled in a just and sound way. Now, this may be uh, kind of small potatoes compared to the nation of Israel, but I would like to, to rule within my household all the things that I have authority over with justice. I don't want to be unjust, and I know my sons don't want me to be unjust either. So I want to take a look at King Solomon. Uh, King Solomon was in a position where God had visited him and asked him, made a request. Now, this is a really amazing thing to consider. I mean, if God were to visit you and he were to ask you, what do you want? Do you know what you would ask for? I mean, I'm not quizzing you. I mean, I got to just say, I, I've, you know, it's not like I wake up in the morning and that's what I'm thinking about, you know. But what a great thing. I mean, this guy didn't say, hey, listen, that's a big question, and I don't want to waste my answer, so give me a day to think on it, and, and I'll get back to you. But yet there was a passion and an urgency in him. He knew what he needed, and therefore he asked for it. So where the scripture records that God engages King Solomon, and King Solomon makes this request for wisdom, what King Solomon actually makes a request for, literally in the scripture, he says, Shema Leb. So Shema means like to, to hear. So we have it on a banner over here, you know, Yahweh or Jehovah Shema. And it's translated, the Lord is, is there, or he's, he's present. But that word also means hear, like in one of the, the most famous of the Hebrew prayers, the Shema. You know, where they would go into to temple and they would sing, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. They would sing this prayer, Hear, O Israel, that the Lord, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Shema. And then Leb, like from the word Labab, uh, meaning, meaning heart. I remember being in the Middle East one time, I was very hungry and had a chance to to stop at a restaurant that I thought might have some familiar food. And, and I'd memorized the Hebrew alphabet, recognized the word for chicken, and then saw the word leb, and I thought, ooh, chicken breast. Can't mess up a chicken breast, you know. Throw it on the grill, give me a chicken breast, and we're good to go. So I ordered it, and the waiter looked at me and said, ma? I mean, like, what? I mean, he was kind of like shocked. Like, you ordered that? Yeah, 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 that's what I want. 
And I'm getting so ready. I know they got the grill fired up, and this, this chicken breast is back there just, you know, getting ready to be delivered to my table, and I'm about to have the best meal I've had in weeks because I traveled on a budget, which means I took a big jar of peanut butter, a big thing of oats, and a little bit of honey, and that's what I ate every day, you know. And I sat down, and I was going to eat this, this chicken breast and was so pumped. And then, you know, the word leb there, I didn't realize that, you know, it was a pretty literal translation because what they ended up bringing to the table was this plate full of chicken hearts. I'd already ordered it, you know. I didn't have the heart to send it back. (laughs) And so all of that buildup, I'm about to have the best meal I've ever eaten, came to a crashing, I mean, halt. It just crashed and burned and... I did eat it. It was okay, but I don't recommend it. So, you know, it's just not my thing. But Leb, so, so Solomon, God's engaging Solomon, and this is a wonderful and powerful event that's taking place. What, what do you ask of me? What, what can I do for you? And his response is, Shema Leb. I want a hearing heart. I want a hearing heart so that I can govern in righteousness. I want a hearing heart so that when I'm handed problems and situations that I don't have a clue how to handle, I can get your counsel and not do it my way. Shema Leb, I want to hear your direction. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to know what you would do so that then I can go do that. I want Shema Leb. Now, some of your Bibles would, would translate it wisdom. Some would translate it understanding. In, in my translation, which is a, a New American Standard, I read the, chap- or the, the verse, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, and it reads like this. From Solomon to God, give your servant an understanding heart, or Shema Leb, to judge your people and discern between good and evil. Give me an understanding heart. Your understanding is infinite. I want access to your infinite understanding, Shema Leb. When I look at the things going on in our culture and, and I'm, I, I'm pulled in all kinds of different directions and tempted in so many ways to react this way or respond that way, I need to pause, just like King Solomon, and ask God for a hearing heart, an understanding heart. Shema Leb. Father, I want an understanding heart so that I don't just get swept away in the torrent of of bad behavior and provocation, and I don't become part of the problem, but I can stay anchored in your counsel, your direction, your guidance in all things, and I can bring the solution. I'd like to have access to your infinite understanding so that I can know what to do and then do it. Pretty awesome. We run the risk of, of, of sin if we don't have an understanding heart. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Boy, there's a lot of that going on right now. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I like sweets, so that really hacks me off. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. The only way that I can protect from being wise in my own eyes and clever in my own sight is to walk in Shema Leb, to walk with an understanding heart, 
I don't even want to go by my eyes or my sight. Father, I want your counsel to prevail. I want your direction to prevail. I want an understanding heart so that I don't get found in one of these traps where I'm calling good evil and evil good, where I think I'm doing everyone a favor by waging war against the woke generation and all of their you know, social justice nonsense that I see going on. I want to function in a way that's productive and fruitful. I don't want to look back in five years and think, man, I really blew it, but I had good intentions. I want to have good intentions, and I want to have good results. And to do that, I need to hear God's counsel, God's direction, and bring it to pass. I need understanding. So there's a few things that get in the way of understanding. Okay, I mean, these are the things that will undermine your understanding, so to speak. And I want to give them to you quickly. Uh, one of those things is going to be silence. And I'll explain what I mean by that, or rather, I'll let the Scripture explain it. One of the things that will make it hard to live in an understanding way will be silence. So read this passage of Scripture and see if that stands out to you, uh, why silence would be such a problem. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, I want to look at verses 3 through 6. So it starts off with a condition. For if you cry, right, there's the condition. If you cry for discernment, or if you cry for understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord, discover the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. I mean, in short, we need to be asking for it. These passages of Scripture should influence our prayer life. That we might cry out. And when that word is written there, I'm not asking for anyone to weep and wail and, and cause a scene. The, the act of crying out, the desperation can be in the presence of the heart, not in the tone of the voice, but the understanding that this is an urgent matter. I need this. Without this, there is no success. God, I need your understanding. My marriage will collapse without your understanding. My children will be, be torn in different directions by the, the evil in this culture without your understanding. Everything that I've put my hand to in obedience to your call and your purpose in my life will, will fall apart without your understanding sustaining it. It's urgent. James chapter 1, verse 5. If anyone lacks understanding, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What a great promise. It's not even conditional, like, well, if any of you lacks understanding on, like, Bible issues, go to God. He's good with that stuff. It's everything. If any of you lacks understanding, let him ask God who gives understanding. Here's another thing that can get in the way of understanding functioning. And I got to tell you, this is one that has been a stumbling block for me, and I'm sure many people. Anger. Anger, I mean, have you ever kind of, there's something that gets said a lot, especially between parents and children, right? Have you ever heard or have you ever said the phrase, you know better? I mean, think about what that means, you know better. It means you know what you should do, but you didn't do it. And, and anger is one of those uh, uh, provocations or, or states of, of mind or being that can cause you to not do what you know you should do. I know that I shouldn't raise my voice. I know that I shouldn't, you know, fuss and, and pitch a fit, so to speak. 
but yet there have been times when anger has prevailed and it has caused me to operate or live outside of understanding. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Pretty much sums it up, right? Everyone that is operating in understanding is going to be slow to anger. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered walks in foolishness. Your word might say exacts folly. We don't really talk like that. Proverbs 17, 27. The one who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit or does not lose his temper is a man of understanding. You could feel the level of conviction rising among some, right? I've lost my temper a few times. But praise God that His grace is present to mature us and to grow us out of that, that we can become men and women of understanding, that that God can do a work in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that can allow us to have self-control, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So that I'm not controlled by situation or circumstance or provocation, but rather by the Spirit of God within me, I'm in control of my temper. Therefore, I can be a man of understanding. James 3, 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, uh uh-oh, and his deeds of gentleness, oh my God, and wisdom. You know, I've never lost it in a gentle way. Right? When you blow your top, when you lose your temper, when you give in to anger, gentleness is gone. And along with gentleness goes wisdom and understanding. And all of a sudden, all of the compromise necessary for all hell to break loose is, is made away for. Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool always loses his temper, but a man of understanding holds it back. A fool always loses his temper, and a man of understanding holds it back. We measure things like wisdom and foolishness with a different measure in our own carnality. We look at things that really don't matter in the end, you know, IQ and intelligence and intellect and all of these things. God looks at self-control. He looks at, at our ability to function and operate in the midst of adversity and stay completely dialed in to his counsel and his direction, and that is what leads to victory. So here's a third thing that will get in the way of understanding. We talked about silence, not even asking God for it, not crying out for it. If it's not urgent in your life to seek it, you're just not going to get it. Then the next thing was anger. Anger can get in the way of, of functioning and understanding. You know, Shema Leb, that hearing heart that, that pursues what God says about the matter and how to carry it out. Now, this last one is is something I'm going to give you a a word and then a a description, but it's foolishness. Now, I want to tell you what I have in parentheses here because, you know, foolishness just kind of seems like the opposite of understanding, but but I want to give you a a biblical definition, and I I think you'll see that it fits uh, very well. Being unteachable. Being unteachable. I, I was in agriculture, and I was in the middle of the country, out in the middle of nowhere, and, and I loved my dogs. You know, I, my dogs would go with me to work. They would ride with me on the tractor. They, they were just a big part of my life. Of course, you know, nearest human being was 10 miles away. So if I didn't have the dogs, it was just, you know, nothing but silence. So, 
had the pets there. The dogs were, were with me. Wild country. You know, I'd wake up in the morning and step onto the porch, and I could look off to the right, and there'd always be a bunch of wild turkey and deer down in the grove. I mean, it was a beautiful, wonderful experience. Uh, the, the land had, had all kinds of critters. I mean, it was critter country. One of the critters on the list that made up critter country was the, the, the wonderful North American porcupine. And then these dogs, you know, obviously lived the, the fast and loose dog, uh, life that is a, a farm dog's life, you know. Best two years a dog will ever live, right? <laughs> they, they don't have long lifespans, and it's tragic. It's always a tragic end, and it's horrible. But you know, they, they lived the, the dream life, you know. Well, one of the, the, the dogs, you know, obviously was kind of the pack leader, and they all ran off one evening. That was normal. You know, the next morning I go outside, and they're all miserable, won't even look up at me, and they're covered, their faces, their mouths, the inside of their mouth, porcupine quills, just all over, you know. And I didn't just look at the dogs and say, you blew it, you know. What I, what I thought was, you get one. I'll, I'll take care of it. But, but you got to learn, you know. Well, one turned to two, two turned to three, three turned to four. And, and at, at one point, I'm even looking at these animals and thinking, this is what the Scripture defines as unteachable. <laughs> and the pain that comes with it, that it, you can't learn, and so you're getting in the same bind every single time. It's getting worse. I mean, infection set in. It was a bad deal. So when we talk about foolishness, I want you to think about being unteachable. It's not about messing up, because we do mess up. I've made plenty of bad choices. I've made foolish choices that I regret, and I wished I could go back and change. The key is, do we learn from them? Do we grow? Do we mature? So Proverbs 12, 15. The actions of a fool or an unteachable man are right in his own eyes, but a man of understanding will listen to counsel. That someone who's unteachable will always just think they're right. They won't receive any direction. They won't receive any counsel. It just is, is, it falls on deaf ears. But people of understanding listen to wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 21. Foolishness, or this lack of, of being teachable. Foolishness makes sense to the one who's lacking understanding. But a man, a man of understanding walks straight. Foolishness makes sense to a lack of understanding. I mean, when you see a lack of understanding, you can understand that the one who's lacking understanding is probably going to do foolish things. I mean, if you want just a real good, tangible example of that, you can look at developing children. You know, they're growing, they're learning things. I remember one day looking outside, we had large windows in this house in Oklahoma in a really beautiful, large backyard. It was a really great place for the, the boys to grow up and and a big concrete pad where they could just ride their bikes and then a little park and swing set over here. It's a really wonderful home for them at the age that they were developing. And I, I looked out the window, and you could see one of the boys had managed to get his bike on top of the shed. And, and you know, while that was interesting, what was even more interesting was he was starting to, to mount up and get ready to ride. <laughs> and so I think Ashley, you know acknowledged it, saw it, ran out there, and, and, and ultimately the question was, what are you doing? Well, the response was, I'm going to ride my bike off the shed. Now, he'd never seen the movie E.T., but I think he had E.T. visions of like, we're going to the moon, baby, you know, we're going to launch this thing and just... 
And, and we caught it before it happened. The truth is, he didn't have any understanding of gravity or physics, you know? And though in his mind, this was going to be this glorious moment where like the Wright brothers on their first flight, you know, <laughs> this is going to be incredible. We're going to change air travel. People will be on bikes going from coast to coast. It's going to be awesome. The reality is there's just a lack of understanding. So when there's a lack of understanding, you can expect foolish things. Uh, in this case, that, that really needs to be something that we see and understand. Father, I don't want to be prone to foolish things. I, I want understanding to exist in my life. And I know that I come and I ask for understanding on certain matters, but let me just let it be known across the board, I desire your understanding. Not just on the things that I come and ask you for counsel on, but please invade my life with your counsel. I welcome your voice into my life, leading me and guiding me. I want to give you a passage of scripture here as we close. I mentioned before we're going to find out, you know, what it looks like to, to trust God. Because we'll tell people, well, you need to just trust God on that, or, or we're going to have to trust God for that one. I want to give you a passage of scripture here that I think helps us see what that looks like, how we can actually trust God on purpose. Proverbs 3, I want to look at verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It reads like this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So there's the trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Rather, fear the Lord and turn away from evil, and it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. A literal translation of that is you won't ride your bike off the shed. It'll keep you safe. It'll protect you. It'll do wonders for your life. So when I ask myself, what does it look like for me to trust God? Based on this passage of Scripture, I see it means not doing things according to my understanding but doing things according to his understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart by not leaning on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. In all of your ways cry out Shema Leb. In all of your ways seek with an understanding, a hearing heart, his counsel in his direction so that you'll know what to do and how to do it. And he will make your paths straight. What a great promise. So when we deal with the things that we face in this culture, I think rather than just being so easily provoked into the fight, we ought to pause and say, Father, I want understanding on this matter. I'd like for there to be understanding so that when I step out into this world as an ambassador for your kingdom, I can actually do what brings you honor and glory. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I think we ought to sing six more songs. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I want to pray and I want to ask God to, to continue to do a powerful work in us. And I, I'd like to encourage you to, to let this be, you know, a prayer that launches the pursuit of an understanding heart. To just pull from Solomon's request and realize that that this understanding heart opened the door for success in every avenue of life. To, to just seek for prosperity here or there, fix this relationship, help me succeed in this business, while those things are all good and great things, God is looking to bring the fountain of that life into your life through his understanding. And, and I want to, to seek that 
myself, and I want to encourage you to do the same. I want to pray together. I mean, I'm going to pray over you. You're welcome to be in a state of, of receiving or agreement. But we're going to trust God to, to open up the ears of our heart to hear, that we would hear his counsel and direction and know how to bring it to pass. Uh, Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example set before us in history that we can ask for an understanding heart. And unified together here now, we ask for an understanding heart. That we wouldn't be subject to, to the provocation that exists in this world leading us into destruction and demise, but that we might stand firm waiting for your counsel and your direction to not only tell us what to do, but how to do it. Let us be a people of understanding. And let all the benefits of understanding exist and thrive in our lives, in this congregation, and let it spill out on all of those around us. That we might become a, a lifestyle of evangelism. That those who would look upon your understanding being embraced and carried out through our lives would be drawn to you. We give you thanks, Father, for the call and the purpose that you've placed upon our lives to be ambassadors for your kingdom. And we ask, Father, that your understanding would cause us to search our own hearts before being so quick to pass judgment on others. And let the understanding way that you have called us to lead to the life that you have promised through your understanding. We bless your name and we thank you, Father. We rejoice in all the benefits of your kingdom. We desire to be quick to seek understanding. We desire to be slow to anger and slow to lose our tempers. And Father, we desire to be teachable in all things. Let us be a people of understanding that we might reveal the call and the anointing that you have placed upon our lives to function and operate as your people on the earth. We bless your name and we give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at chancechurch.com.